Greetings, troubled listeners. Welcome back to the Troubled Men Podcast. I am Renee Coleman, sitting in my safe house on the line with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hey, hey man, what's up? Oh, you know, uh, trying to get through every day. How are you holding up over there? I'm fine, man. I'm, I'm excited because uh, uh, the weekend's coming up and uh, the, it's Super Blow weekend. Okay. You know how I love to do blow on Super Bowl weekend. Okay. I call it Super Blow weekend. <laughs> myself an eight ball. Really? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> start fucking doing the blow. Because oh, my, my, team, my team never makes the Super Bowl, so might as well enjoy myself. Okay. Super <laughs> blow weekend. Okay, even oh, even with the wife and kids, I mean, a uh, wife and daughter, it's uh, they're okay with all that. They're fine. I have my place to do my super blow weekend. <laughs> okay. They've experienced <laughs> it now for the last 15, 16 years. Okay. They know who I am. Right on, right on. Yeah. So do you have well, I'm a? Happy. I'm do, doing all right. Do you, do you have a favorite in the in the in the big uh, the big game? Are you wagering any money? No. no. The only thing I wish for, since my team isn't in the Super Bowl, the thing I wish for every year for the past thirty eight years is that the stadium blows up midway through the game uh, okay. and everything is destroyed. Well, uh, that's what oh. I've always wished for. If my time, if my team's not in it, I could give a fuck. I want the stadium to blow up. Wasn't there a movie oh, with Bruce man. Stern that had the like Black Sunday or something? Had that kind of theme to it? Uh, somebody like uh, arming a blimp or something during a Super Bowl? Yeah, that was called Black Sunday back in the seventies, and yeah. Bruce Stern was a Vietnam vet who was uh, manipulated by some Middle Eastern people to drive because he knew how to. He was a pilot. He knew how to uh, man a blimp. Okay, and they were going to drive over the Super Bowl with the blimp and explode it. But uh, Robert Shaw, an Irishman, or uh, a deep Scot, was he Scottish? Robert Shaw played an Israeli Jew who, with the help of the Americans, thwarted the uh, attempt to blow it up. Okay. And he saved the day. Right so on. It was a very Hollywood film because it was very pro-Jew. So okay. it was very Hollywood. <laughs> well. You know, um, <laughs> But I liked the film. It was a good film. And in fact, I don't know if you know this, because the film was released during uh, the election year between Ford and Carter. So as the movie went, the president was at the game, but they shot two different endings, one with a Carter lookalike fleeing for his life and one with a Ford lookalike fleeing for his life. Wow, really? And uh, so they shot two different endings, and Carter won the election, so they released it with the Carter lookalike, you know, being you know, escorted out by the uh, Secret Service and stuff like that. Okay. But the only good thing, I saw that movie, and the only really good thing about that film is Bruce Dern. Bruce Dern is fantastic in that movie. He He's... just plays a manipulated, manipulated Vietnam vet who, um, you know, it's one of those, you know, typical story, Vietnam vet comes home and, He's not loved, and he doesn't know the world around him, and, um, uh, you know, that's what it was. Right, right, right. Yeah, Bruce Dern, you know, qu quite an actor. Yeah, Bruce Dern, yeah, and his daughter, Laura Dern, quite a freak. Um, but, <laughs> I like uh, her. Yeah, I always had, a, had a, a little bit of a thing for her. 
Really for freaks like well, uh, you know, I, I, I love that movie Wild at Heart that uh, that that uh, um, David Lynch movie that uh, she's yeah in. that's a good movie yeah, where she she's living in a motel room in her own vomit yes I mean right 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 oh, with the, yeah, Will, yeah. Willem Dafoe yeah Bobby Peru yeah yeah that's a great yeah, character yeah, Bobby I Peru that well yeah I liked her in Blue Velvet especially when yeah that was um, good she realized that. Um, uh, what's his name was banging uh, Isabella Rosalini. And, uh, yes, Kyle McLaughlin yeah, was was uh, was yeah, uh, having she, an affair with Isabella Rosalini. He, yeah, and she pops up out of the neighborhood naked and beat up, and right. uh, and uh, <laughs> she, she keeps fawning over Kyle McLaughlin, going, "My secret lover, right. You're my secret lover, <laughs> yeah, my secret lover," and she. And Laura Dern makes this face. Right, I know. That. Yes, yeah. that that she makes this face that makes you want to like, uh, you know, either uh, you know get the case of constipation or get rid of constipation. Right, it's, it's a very a pained. Face, it's a know. pained expression she has. I do recall that. Yes, yeah, yeah. 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 Anyway, you know, she's a Hollywood kid, so right. her career was already marked out. Right, right, right. She's very anyway, talented. So yes. Uh, okay. okay. Um, yeah, um, so you know it's Super Bowl weekend, and I'm excited about it. And uh, anything else going on in your world? Well, uh, just you know, I had had a little bit of a you know we we've talked about uh, fighting City Hall before, and and in, in several cases we've both won. We fought the law and we won. Well, I tempted yeah. it again today, except um, this time I was fighting a a, a, a school zone speeding ticket, you know, vir- a camera speeding camera ticket, and I had to do it uh, virtually. had to had to do it, you know, through a virtual hearing. And you know, even though they they sent me all the stuff ahead of time, all the the uh, application you had to download and I'm very experienced with all these things. Of course, when it came time to do it, it didn't work. And, uh, they, they wouldn't, I had them on the phone. They wouldn't accept my uh, phone call hearing. And, uh, so the whole thing was wound up getting, uh, you know, uh, aborted. And, uh, they said, well, we'll do it by mail. And it, it reminded me that, you know, the, the mayor is talking about moving city hall to uh, the municipal auditorium, and they're going to do a renovation that's going to result in only half of the staff space that they currently have at City Hall. So they're going to use the model that where half of the people are going to work from home, and so they'll only have space for half of the employees. So if you want to do anything with City Hall, I guess this is like a you know wave of the future. Expect to you know not be able to get through and these virtual uh, contacts with people. And Lord, if I can't do this, what what are people that are you know older than me or don't have access to technology? How are they supposed to to make all this work, man? I don't well, know. Well, but uh, yeah, well, I mean, it sounds like business as usual because half the staff at City Hall is never there to begin with. Well, okay. When you go down there. <laughs> You know, and how do you get a, you're fighting a, a school zone ticket? I, right. Schools aren't even open. Well, this is from a few months ago. Well, yeah, no, exactly. Kids aren't even in school, but they still have, uh, you know, they still had these these uh, things running. Maybe they did have kids at that time. It's a stupid school zone by my house. You, there's not there's there's a camera where there's not a sign. It's a school that kids don't come out the front. You wouldn't even know it's a school driving down the street until the light flashes and uh, and suddenly you realize that's you where they ticket. get you. That's right, where they right, get right, you. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, well, you know, it, it, it's 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 crazy. Uh, 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 you know, I, I uh, 
I understand. I feel your pain. Uh, but you know what you should do hmm. is before they close. And I think I told this before when I went to a vote down at City Hall because I was an absentee vote kind of thing because I was leaving town a voter. Or, that place is a dump, man. Yeah, that you were saying that. Is, <laughs> you know. That place is a dump. I don't even know why I want to become mayor because that place <laughs> is such a dump. You, know? <laughs> well, you can fix but, it up, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, well, one thing I noticed this uh, uh, last week, um, about, about 10 days ago, you know, because we're all quarantining and, you know, I stay at home. I don't, I don't like to go out anywhere. And I was going through uh, a lot of my personal items and stuff like that. And, um, and uh, I noticed, you know, I was going through some stuff, you know, like high school stuff or stuff that I've held on to, you know, postcards and stuff like that. And uh, uh, I noticed a lot of things missing. Hmm. And I was like, I was like, where did this stuff go? And I noticed one of my prize items that I was given to by my grandfather, who was, uh, you know, he was a hardcore uh, Mexican from Jalisco, mm-hmm. Zacatecas. Right. He, uh, he, uh, uh, he gave me this gift as a, as a young man. He said, cherish this gift. And I found it missing. I could not find it. And you know what it was? It was my, my favorite, my only, but my favorite machete. I knew you were going to say that. I was about to jump <laughs> it, but I thought, don't do it, Renee. Don't blow the punchline. So <laughs> My machete was missing. Okay. And then like two days later, there's this guy who's, you know, hacking people with a machete in New Orleans East and in Baton Rouge and who knows what other places. Right. I saw that. So, uh, I, did you see that? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Crazy guy. Yeah, he killed somebody with it. Was that your machete? That was my machete. Wow. Uh, oh, man. And uh, uh, I, I'm assuming it was my machete. Because you know, yours is missing? <laughs> mine's missing. I mean, we He's keep our doors. <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, I see, um, I see your, your so logic I'm, I'm, uh, Yeah, I'm just hoping, it, you know, uh, it's not my machete. Okay. I'm just hoping it's not my machete, but I'm a little upset about it because I like that machete. It was it was a, a, a piece of my you know my it was something my grandfather gave. It's sentimental value, yeah. Yeah, sentimental yeah. value. The other the only thing he ever gave to me was herpes. Okay. But other than that, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that does tend um, to get passed between family members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very given guy. Yeah, he's yeah, a giving yeah, guy. Giving guy, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, he's something was, to remember me yeah. by. Yeah, <laughs> You'll exactly, never forget you know, the, the the scratch and the itch and the burn. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so yeah, that's going on, and and um, you know, you know, we're getting up. We, the, this this is this is very confusing. What's going on? Um, this city is gearing up for Mardi Gras, but. I, we're told to stay home, but yet we're told to celebrate and stuff. So I'm Well, you know, people are going to be out there in the street. Oh, man, you're absolutely right. They're not going to be able to stop it. And you know what? You know what, man? The cops ain't going to do anything. No. no. People will be out in the street. They'll be able to stop that, man. Right. I mean, it's not going not- like, to be like it used to be, but it's, you know, people will still be out and about. Right, but will they will they be safe though? That's good. Well, that, well, probably not. <laughs> no, they're not going to be safe, which yeah, is no. very you uh, know. Uh, and I think our mayor has been giving mixed messages about the whole thing. Well, you uh, know, which I 
you know. Uh, they say they can have parents. music. They say they can have music in clubs, but they can't have horns. Right, right, right. yeah. <laughs> but damn, that right. don't really, you know, that's kind of crazy because people are going to be talking and drinking and spitting and doing what they do. I mean, hey, you know. Yeah, it's, well, uh, yeah, it's not so the horn player that's infecting everybody. It's all the people watching uh, them, yeah. No, yeah, you know what I'm saying, you know. And they're not going to be practicing social distancing. Right. So, I mean, I don't get it, man. You know, it's always, it always, it's always the musicians that really get the raw, you know, the Roy into the deal, you know, whenever something goes down, it's always the musicians. And people come to New Orleans for the music and the music and the food, you know, pretty much. Right. And, you know, so I don't but, get it, you know. But don't you think it'd be worth it just to be safe for like one year, 12 months? Oh, I, I agree. I mean, I agree. You know, and, and, and I understand people are, uh, businesses are dying and stuff like that, but. Uh, I feel uh, got to make a sacrifice for it to get better, man. You know, right? Yeah. In order to go forward, you got to go a few steps back. I guess is what. Yeah, you know. I mean, but I mean, I think our mayor though is giving mixed messages by saying New Orleans is open for visitors, but the locals stay away. Right. Yeah. So that doesn't make sense to me. If New Orleans is open for business, that means business. That means Corona is. It's coming in. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, right. you know, right. come on, man. You know, you know, that don't make no sense to me, you know. Yeah, but um, it makes no sense whatsoever, but uh, it is what it is. And well, it, it makes I'm, sense. I'm very, go it ahead. Makes, it makes sense because they want, the, they want the business. They want the money. See, it's all about the dollar. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. It's always about the dollar. You know, exactly. But, um, you know, uh, uh the uh, what's going on is that uh, uh, people need to make the money; they need to survive and stuff like that. But at the same time, um, uh, it's just bringing in you're bringing trouble. You're bringing trouble in, not yeah. just Corona trouble, but you're, if you're saying the city's open for Mardi Gras to all right. visitors, you're bringing in trouble that we don't need. You know, uh, uh, exactly criminal trouble, uh, prostitution trouble drug trouble and stuff like that, you know, that kind of stuff. But, you know, for me, Roger, I, I, it doesn't bother me at all because I stay home 24-7 anyway. Right. I, 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 don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't leave my house if I don't have to. Yeah, you're going to be you safe. Know, I, I, safe there with I'll, your eight ball. Safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With my eight ball during <laughs> Super Blow weekend. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right, right. Well, there you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I will be fine. And uh, don't, don't, uh, don't get angry if I call you in the middle of the night. Either. Okay. Okay, that's you know, that's fine. Just to just wanting, to keep you company. You to score more, wanting you to score more for me, right? <laughs> okay, well I'll see what I can do, man. Yeah, can't make any promises, but uh, you know, well, uh, you've been you've been my connection for years. Well, man. I'm always I'm always willing to help out a friend, man. You know, you know, I'm a giving. Uh, I, I I like your grandfather. I'm also a giving person. Um, right, exactly. Right. right. Okay. Well, uh, should we get our you guest in here? You want your cut, though. You want your cut. Well, you know, know that's that. that's part of the game, man. You know, it's a, that's that's what keeps the yeah. keeps the wheels turning. Everybody's got to have their wet their beak, you know. Um, right. Okay. But uh, right. well, yes. Yeah. Any, anything else you want to no, talk about before? No, 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 no. I'm I'm anxious to get to our guest because I don't want to uh, run too long in these shows here. 
Okay, but, uh, let's go. Right on. So I'm excited to have our guest here. He's, he's, uh, I've, I've admired him for so long. He's a, he's a great baritone saxophone player, composer, producer. He's, he's a founding member of the Dirty Dozen Brass Band. He's played in that band for like 40-something years. Um, yeah. But, but uh, even before that, he, he played with uh, Fats Domino, and he's played with all kinds of people. He's been on Dr. John Records, Neville Brothers Records. So anyway, we'll get into all that without further ado the great roger lewis welcome roger hey how you doing man how you know good man excited to have you here i'm excited to be alive right (laughs) 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 i think we all are roger yeah man i'm excited to be alive i mean especially at my age you know i didn't know i was gonna if i knew i was gonna live this long i'd have took a little bit better care of myself yeah yeah, that's, don't, that's worry. What, don't worry, don't worry, Roger, that's what, Roger. That's what, that's what everybody see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about that, man. You're fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. yeah. yeah. I, actually, I'm really, I'm, I'm good. Come over to my house this weekend, and we'll be fine. Okay. <laughs> all right. Manny doesn't invite many people over for Super Blow weekend, but uh, all right, you consider yourself a, a part of the family now. Well, so Roger, um, are uh, you're a New Orleans native? Yeah. What what uh, here. right on? What part of the city did you grow up in? I grew up <coughs> in the Garden District. Okay. I grew up on Camp between Pleasant and Harmony. Oh, right on. I had Pleasant on one side and I had Harmony on the other. Nice, you know? <laughs> nice. And now, yeah, that's that's where I grew up. Then uh, my, my my parents moved on the other side of Magazine Street, which is the Irish Channel. Mm-hmm. Then we moved to Seven and Chapel Tours last street in the city going that way. Right. Well, in you know, and then later on, we moved down to the Lower Ninth Ward on Delary Street, which is the last street before you get into St. Bernard Parish. Oh, wow. So y'all are on oh. all the edges, uh, right by the yeah, river and yeah. then all the way right yeah. by uh, right yeah, by St. Yeah. Bernard Parish, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much so. Yeah, man. You know. So where'd you wind up going to high school? Uh, I went to, well, elementary school. I went to uh, James Lewis Elementary. That was up on Chippewa Street in the Irish Channel. Mm-hmm. Then I went to George Washington uh, uh, Woodson. Well, I went to Woodson, Woodson, Carter, Carter G. Woodson, Carter G. Woodson Jr. As a matter of fact, it was a brand new school. And from there, I went to uh, George Washington Carver, which was also a brand new school at the time. Okay. You know. Now, when did you start playing saxophone? I started playing saxophone. I think I was 10 years old. First instrument was a piano at eight years old. Used to take piano lessons from a lady by, by the name of Miss Handy. Handy. She lived on uh, Louisiana Avenue in Daniel, right next to the Holy Ghost Church. Okay. Matter of fact, the house is still there. Hmm. Lessons was 50 cents a lesson. Wow. <laughs> Back in them days. That was 1948. No That's kidding. probably a lot of money then, though, too, isn't it? Whoa, 50 cents, 47 dollars, man. I was, let me tell you something. I used to do a little gig with a guy by the name of Freddie Kemp, a friend of mine. And we used to play a club called Mary's Tavern. Mm-hmm. We were little kids, you know? Right. I mean, we had to be about, let me see, we had to be about 12, 13 years old, maybe. And we playing in this ballroom. I used to walk the bar, slide across the sawdust floor because he used to put sawdust on a hardwood floor so you could make people dance, you know. Right. Get that, get their slide on. And 
I, you know, I'd walk the ball, kick over the drinks so the customers could buy more drinks. And, yeah. <laughs> and my little, my partner, Kemp, he was a little short guy, about four feet, maybe four feet something. And he played alto saxophone. I played tenor saxophone at the time. So mm-hmm. I walked the ball, ran out the back doors, come, ran out the front doors, came through the back doors, slide across the floor, you know, entertaining. So people like to be entertained, right? Right. And, um, uh, so when we, I'm standing up. I don't did my little thing. I'm standing up next to him, and all of a sudden, this cat did a backwards flip, uh, standing in position while playing an alto saxophone. Wow! <laughs> Incredible! All the people <laughs> come running. People come running from the from the bar and the tables and the. And they, they, they had never. I had never seen nothing like that. Right. I didn't. First of all, I didn't believe what I seen. So I said, I know I didn't see what I seen. You see, yeah, you seen what you seen. Uh-huh. Thought you did something. Watch this. I said, well, do it again. Wop, he did it again. People start throwing money and and it'll make a long story short. So after we gathered the little money up and we went on LaSalle Street. That little sweet shop on LaSalle Street. You know where the little kids used to go. Uh-huh. Right down the. Right down the street from the dewdrop, uh, we in the corner on the floor, you know, busting up the money, you know, splitting up the money. Mm-hmm. So when I get home, I got all this change and dollars and whatnot. And it was like about forty-seven dollars, man. Wow, some change. You understand? That's not that's back in the fifties, you know. Right. That's like a People week's pay. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, because people—if you were making a hundred dollars a week, you was rich. Right. You were making a hundred dollars a week, man. Huh. You was making some money, you know, back 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 in the, in the day. Because a penny was a penny. You could get two cookies for a penny. Two for penny cookies. Wow. Now those those yeah. jobs like at Mary's Tavern, those weren't like three hour jobs, right? Those those some of those nightclub well, jobs would go long. Like, huh? Mary's Tavern, I think, was like four hours. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, because gigs was like four hours. You would you play? You take a half an hour, to, half an hour break. Okay. But you but you're there for four hours. Because didn't some of those bar gigs be like eight hour gigs sometimes? Like well, in the, like if you're on Bourbon Street, yeah. Okay, back in those days. All right, yeah, I've heard yeah, stories about that. Yeah, but but the other thing is, the gigs didn't pay no more. Some of the gigs paid six dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, some of the gigs paid eight dollars. Uh huh. Some of them paid ten dollars. If you were making fifteen dollars, uh, you know you was making a lot of money. Right. You were making fifteen dollars on a gig, man. That was that was good money, you know. And I was playing with a cat by the name of Deacon John. I'm on the original. Oh right. I'm a, yeah, I'm on the original Ivory. Deacon John and the Ivories, and that was yeah, a huge yeah. band, man. So how, oh, when did yeah. you when did you start playing with Deacon John and the Ivories? Deep, me and Deep come up together. We were little kids together, like 15 years old. And, you know, we, you know, we come up together playing music. You know? Okay. And uh, we used to, we had the hottest. Actually, we had the hottest band in the city, hottest cover band because we were a cover band. Uh huh. And we had a unique sound because we didn't use. Only time we used brass was like if we had to do a ten minute a ten piece gig because back then back then they had to you had the musicians union they had minimums play, play, yeah if you if you play you know if you play at the I, uh, ILA or the Mississippi Auditorium you had to required to have ten musicians right we all, we had six musicians in the band but we had a unique sound because we had alto 
tenor, and baritone. Two oh. trumpets. Okay. Guitar, bass, and drums. And then later on, we added a world, a world of piano when Ray Charles came out with the world of piano when he did What I See. Right. On that world of piano, then we added a guy by the name of Sam Bijou. And he, he muscled his way in the band. Yeah. <laughs> he had that piano. So we wound up with that. That that uh that that full rhythm section, you know. Right. So, but we had the hottest band, man, in the South, pretty much. I remember we did it. Matter of fact, I have a picture from back then from that when we was playing at the Dewdrop, and in that picture is Bobby Blue Bland and Joe Hinton. Now, how that picture came about? They used to have what they call booster dances at the ILA, ILA auditorium where all the high school kids would come. They would have a dance like on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Like, like they call it a booster dance, you know. That's what they call it. Right. And they, we would be like, they would hire us. We was like the opening act. And then they used to they used to hire major acts. Like one of the major acts was Bobby Blue Blaine. Right. Nice. So... We knew everybody's material. Matter of fact, we even back, backed up uh, Marvin Gaye when he had Hitchhike out. Oh, cool. We did some, yeah, we did some gigs with Marvin Gaye, a little skinny guy. Yeah. We're about 125 pounds soaking wet. Yeah. He played, he, had pretty, he played a little drums, you know. He was a very, very nice guy, you know. But anyway, so we playing this booster dance, and we opening up, actually opening up for Bobby Blue Bland. So the bass player gets the bright idea. Say, man, let's play Bobby Blue and stuff before Bobby come on. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so we knew all Bobby Blue Bland material. Matter of fact, we, like, we, knew, we knew all everybody material, you know. Right. We played we play by here, cry, cry, cry out at the time. Or turn on your love light. Right. That was kind of big tunes. We played all that stuff before Bobby came on and and the band was in the, they was peeping out the, out the dressing room, uh, trying to figure out what was going on. And we was, at that time, we was playing at the Dewdrop. We was doing the do playing at the Dewdrop, just about, I think we were playing there, I don't know if it was an every night gig or hmm. it was a weekend gig. I know it was, I think it was doing Lent too at the time. So, I mean, Bobby didn't get mad, matter of fact. Really? He found out we invite. We I said, man, we playing at. I didn't say. I think Deep might have said, we look. We playing at the Do Drop tonight, you know, because the Do Drop was. If you playing at the Do Drop, you was. That was like playing at the Apollo, man. Right, right. It's a you plum know. gig, yeah. Yeah. So uh, Bobby came over and sat in with the band. Nice. And now, now we had Bobby Blue Bland, and we was playing Bobby Blue Bland music. Right. I got a picture. Matter of fact, I have a picture. That's the only, one of the only surviving pictures. From Katrina that survived the black and white photograph. Matter of fact, it's on my Facebook page. I posted it on my Facebook uh-huh. page. You know, but um, back then we used to play a club called the Pinnacle Club. That's where Irma Thomas used to be a singing waitress. Really? You know, I'm, you know, I can go back, man. You sure, know. sure. Yeah. Right. Well, so so when did you start playing with Fats? How did that happen? Well, there was a saxophone player with. Probably one of the one of the best saxophone players in the world. His name was Nat Carolot. Right. And uh, he died on the road. And my friend Frederick Kemp 
every time I would get a good gig, I would get him. I would call him. And he was happy to be. He was happy. He happened to be playing with Fats at the time when the opening came up. You know, he pulled me in the band. That now, what, was in nineteen seventy one. But I was supposed to be coming. I was supposed to be playing baritone saxophone in the band. But I, I didn't have a baritone saxophone at the time. Uh, I, well, I used to I used to borrow a friend of mine's baritone, but you know I was mostly playing tenor. Uh -huh. So I was so I, when I came joined Fast Band, I was playing tenor. Then one time, then one one night, Fast looked up and said, "Where that boy baritone at?" Because <laughs> I was playing everything on the bottom part of the horn, you know. Okay. So. I wanted to borrow my friend's baritone, but it was so horribly out of tune because I used to recall with Eddie Bull with that doggone baritone. That baritone was, yeah, it was a piece of crap. Yeah. But then a friend of mine bought bought me a baritone saxophone. And, uh, you know, I saw playing baritone. I've been in there since. You know, uh, I remember when I first moved here 20 years ago, I was at a supermarket. I'd been here for about a year. And in line, in front of me in line was Fats Domino. And I uh -huh. swear, this is this is totally true. I'm not making this up. Well, I can believe he's that. In, he's in front of me in line, and he's buying Slim Fast. Okay. Slim Fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he was a... Fats Domino... Fats Domino liked to cook a lot. Like, he, was like, he loved to cook. Yeah. I used to go... As a matter of fact, we was... He was on the road. He'd like be playing. He used to play Las Vegas. He'd be in Vegas five weeks. Then we go to Reno. Uh, I what it was. I think it's Reno before Vegas. I think it was Reno two weeks. Then go to Vegas for five weeks. Then go to Lake Tahoe after Vegas for two weeks. Mm. So fast. But the, that, that hotel buffet food sucks. He's better oh. off cooking for himself. Oh. You know. Yeah. yeah, yeah he yeah, wants. Yeah, yeah. You he know, cook, man, he would be up there cooking. I just go buy fats and eat. Yeah, he'd cook for all y'all. Well, he'd cook enough for 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 army. Uh. You know, even <laughs> that, even in the army. I mean, let me tell you in his hotel room, in his hotel room. Yes, or? yes, yes, sir. Like on in a hot his plate? hotel room, in his hotel room, fats had the pots on. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's the fact. And uh. Like with, like even at his at his home, I used to, you know I go go over there and visit. Went over there one day visit. I'll let Fats man, me and Fats was all right. Mm -hmm. I go over there. He cooking a big old pot of butter beans and it's like one of these uh, big crawfish pot. Right. You know, big old big old pot, man. He's stirring the pot, man. And I'm looking at this big old block, big old brick of butter, you know. Man, he got a big old brick of butter. You know, I, I love I, butter. It's Manny's language. Butter. Yeah, I see. Well, he probably be just going to take a little, you know, some butter and put it in the beans. It's all the butter beans, right? Uh -huh. He's stirring the pot. But you know, that man took that whole brick of butter and put it in that pot. I said, man, what yeah. you doing? Yeah. I said, man, what you doing? See this. Give it that good buttery taste. Yeah. Oh, Lord. <laughs> That's how you get he that had, buttery taste. Then he had the ham hocks, smoked ham hocks. Mm -hmm. there, you know? Then he had hog's cheese, because he loved pork. He had he makes his own he made his own hog's cheese. Wow. Oh yeah. He had mild, medium, and hot. <laughs> I mean when I say hot. So 
And wait, then he had a rum cake. You need oh, a piece of that rum. Okay. You need a piece of that rum cake, and your whole personality change when you leave out that house. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, a real rum cake. The rum be gushing out the dog. Okay, I mean, and it's talk about good, delicious. But if you serve like he serve up the hog and cheese, he don't give you like a little slice, you know. And he give you a, he give you a, uh, he give you a, a nice serving, you know. I said, man, I can't eat all of this stuff, bro. But yeah, man, Pat loved to cook, he, and he's a very, very good cook, man. You know, down home, right? Down home cooking, you know, right? You know. So y'all were playing all these these uh, these long engagements in in the in the U.S. different uh, resorts and stuff. Now were y'all also traveling uh, to in Europe and traveling around the world with the with the band with Fats. Yes. Yeah, well, yeah, my first international trip was in uh, Toronto. No, no, was it Toronto? Yeah, Toronto, Canada. Mm -hmm. That was my first time outside the USA, United States, Canada. Right. And uh, we landed with one engine. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we was on the airplane and, uh, and Smokey Johnson was sitting right across from me, you know. So we sat on the plane and one of the engines was gone. And other engine on the other side, they had these engines like on the, you used to have on the tail of the, or, uh, of the of the jet in the back, just be on the tail, you know, okay. remote those in. Right. So one of the engines was gone. And other one was gone. I said, hey, smoke it. I said, bro, check out them rhythms, bro. I said, listen, this one's going. And other one over there going. Boy, his eyes got big as two sauces and a, and a stood that she trying to be cool. Like, you know, I could. And uh, see, when we landed, the plane landed. Bam! Broke the landing gear. Oh, landed with one, Yeah, landed with one engine. So it was cold. I had never been in no. First of all, I had never been in snow. And I had never been nowhere where it was that cold, you know. Right. So on our way going to the hotel, we passed by this huge, huge building, man. I mean, like big as the uh, convention center, right? And it had all these people three deep around, just about around the building. The line was forever, right? Mm -hmm. So I said, damn, why all these people? I said to myself, I said, why all these people out here in this cold weather, man? All this snow is freezing out here, you know? I said, I wonder what's going on like that, you know? Right. So we go, so we go to the hotel, you know, shower up, take a little nap. Boom, get back in the in the car. And now we going back. So we I said, damn, these people we going I'm not thinking that we going to this building, right? Mm -hmm. So I see all the I said, man, these people still out here in this cold, man. They must have been out here about three hours or so. So guess what? That's where we were playing. They was lined up to see Fast Domino. No kidding. That's right. True story, man. True story. Wow. Well, and, uh, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna say it was Super Blow Weekend. Oh. Well, it, it might have been. <laughs> there was a blow that had a monster. <laughs> but then you know, we, you know, uh, then we, you know, actually, I went all over the world with Fast Domino. I mean, my whole musical career changed dramatically when I started playing with Fats. Right. All over Germany, all over Switzerland, Sweden. Uh, he was now let me ask you something, Roger. Uh, 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 
you were probably better received in Europe and Canada than in the U.S. sometimes, right? Is that true? Yeah, well, with Fast Domino, let's talk about, you talk about, I'll take it somewhere else after that. But with Fast Domino, was well received all everywhere. Universally okay. loved. Everybody loved, yeah, lo- still everybody, loves Fast Domino. If you ask, everybody loved Fast Domino. You ask any old, any, uh, you know, uh, rock and roll guys from the 60s and stuff and talk about who did you love fats domino everybody fats Dom- everybody fats mentions domino. fats domino sell out. every night i played with fast domino was a sellout show yep and we did vegas like what six six nights a week sell out every night and he never wanted to play the, the main show room he refused to play the main show room he just wanted to play the lounge. I want a huge lounge, dude, you know. Okay. Well, Yo, the lounge acts in Vegas in the 50s and 60s, the lounge stages were better than the big rooms for yeah, some people. So, yeah, you know. Did, so, did, did you ever play with Don Rickles? No. Okay. Uh, when, when I was with Fats, Slappy White used to open up for Red Fox and Red Sla- Fox. Okay, Slappy White and Red Fox. Okay. Yeah, Red Fox would open up for, for Fast Domino. But wow, so you, you spent know, some time but, around Red Fox? Yeah, he opened up for Fast every night, pretty much. You know, he come out with his titty mug, yeah, <laughs> sucking on a titty, drinking whatever he had. <laughs> <laughs> That was a, a crazy old man. That man was something else. Yeah. And then, oh, no, he was then you, not. Then you see people like you walk past fast dressing room. I walk past fast, fast dressing room going to the back of the dressing room where the band dressing room was. And you see all this glitter. Look like one of those, um, what you call those balls that they have, they have on the uh, disco ball. Disco right? ball. Yeah. Disco ball. Yeah. So I'm passing fast dressing room and I see all this glitter coming. I guess who in there? Liberace. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I, pay, I looked and I see Liberace sitting in there. So Liberace said, hey, uh, come in. I said, oh, what the hell? I'm going in this. Boy, this man, everything was perfect. I, I mean, he looked like he was, a, he didn't really look, he didn't look real, but he was real. Yeah. Because <laughs> the hair, everything was perfect, man. I mean, just like, I mean, then him and Fast sitting there comparing their diamonds, you know, they all of them wear them down. They right. both had these pian- piano rings. Okay. So Liberace, Liberace looked at me and said, oh, I really, really enjoyed that solo you played. It was absolutely marvelous. Nice. I said, <laughs> I said all right, thank you very much. <laughs> I think I'm going to exit stage left right now. Okay. <laughs> but but uh, on a real, though, he was a very, very, very nice person. Right. He wasn't. See, them guys, them guys don't be tripping, you know. They, they're not like uh, un- un- unapproachable or they're not. They got some of them out there that got their head stuck up their ass, you know what I mean? But yeah. But like guys like Liberace, Garfield Chamberlain, and uh, Sammy Davis Jr., uh, 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 Bill Cosby, all them dudes are real, real people, man. Yeah. Sarah Vaughn, uh, Cab Calloway, uh, wow. Illinois Jacket, you know, Illinois Jacket, Gillespie, yeah, yeah uh, Dizzy Gillespie. I mean, I can name names and names, and them guys, BB uh, King, Lil mm-hmm. Richard, all them was like, like real. Just regular folks, right? And they just famous. They're just famous, and they don't be tripping off of that. 
right well being around being around fats domino fats domino's band you know that's uh, like everybody idolizes y'all so even the big stars you know feel like well gee we're in, well like we're i said you know when i joined fast domino band everything changed yeah you know because I, I asked a friend of mine i said say, man i've been playing music around new orleans all these years man you know i said now people treat me different i said why is that he said well bro you 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 uh you have arrived. I said, I arrived from where? <laughs> <laughs> I said, what you mean I don't arrive? He said, well, bro, you're playing with a superstar. Right. So you get you get treated different. I said, I, said, I, never, I said, damn, I never thought about it like that. Because Fast Domino had got 22 gold records, and that's what gold was, you know, was the thing. Right. He, he had like five or six different, five in a row, a cash box and, and, and billboard. He was only second to Elvis Presley for his record sales. Yep. yep. You know what I mean? Oh man. So did he get ripped off though? Did he get ripped off by the the producers, the white man? Did he get ripped off? Well, they had some stuff that was going on that, you know, uh I'm not going like to a lot of other, like little Richard and Fe- uh, and Bo Diddley. Well, I, I, you guys know, got all ripped off, man. Well, you know, everybody, you know, like the only, I think the real smart guys that was really out there during that time, you know, I'm not saying that's got ripped off because I don't know his business. Right. Or like the, the people that uh, was really in, that was re- really into it were like people like Sam Cooke. Yeah, you know, and Lloyd Price, those guys, and Ray Charles, that really, you know, uh, own all the. Well, Ray Charles own all his masters. All his masters, very, yeah, 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 very, very, uh, uh, you know, and, keeping and, an eye and, on and everything. Sam, and Sam Cooke, he was on top of his game too, and Lloyd Price. Right. Lloyd Price had a club or what on Broadway somewhere. Okay. During a time where where the gangsters was trying to, you know. You know, make him pay. He say he refused to pay. So, you know, those guys was really smart businessmen. You know, I, you know, right. back then, and they was trying to educate the other guys to what was going on about the publishing and, and stuff like that. You uh-huh. know, some of them don't didn't want to hear that. You know, all they you don't know what you talk about. You crazy. So, you know, yeah, I'm li- not gonna call it. A, they live to regret but, uh, it. Yeah. Well. Like Little Richard, Pat Boone was covering all 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 the Richard song, but but every time Little Richard come out with with a song like uh, uh, Tootie Fruity Tootie or uh, Wild Bad Bluebell, that Pat Boone would cover that. But kind of worked in his it worked in Little Richard's behalf because Little Richard owned all his he he, he that was his that was his music. He owned all of that. Stuff. Right. So, so he was getting paid on the publishing on all those just, Pat yeah, Boone he was, records. Yeah, he right. said. He said, when he's seeing the check. Go ahead. Go Pat, ahead, Pat. <laughs> cover some up. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. Nice. Yeah, so, he, you know, he made money, you know. Right. Uh, just like Eddie Bo. Like Eddie Bo. I used to play an Eddie Bo band, too, also. Wow, nice. And uh, Lil Richard covered one of Eddie Bo tunes. He called it Slipping in the Slide. But when Eddie Bo wrote it, it was I'm Wise. Okay. See what I'm saying? And Lil Richard recorded it and shit. Eddie Bo bought a house out at Point of Train Park. Okay. For that. So, you know, so, I mean, it was a lot of stuff going on back then, you know, during, the, during those days, you know. Right, uh, right. You know, you know, a lot of guys got ripped off, man. Like, look at, look, look, look at Jackie Wilson. Yeah. 
You know, every time he wanted a Cadillac, they give him a Cadillac or whatever you want, but that his manager. He wound up going to jail, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that stuff that he did, but he was ripping cats. Those guys was young, and they didn't know the business. All they yeah. wanted to do is get out there and sing and, you know, you know, make a couple of dollars here. But they wasn't thinking about publishing it right, and all that right. kind of well, stuff. It's still going on today, Roger. So that that same dynamic is still in, in play today, unfortunately. They're, well, they were they were looking for women. That's what the thing was. Uh, you know, everybody's well, looking for art, that, trying to well, you know get their well, their that, music well, out there. Lesson, you know, all lesson. You know, you out there that music. You know, you women gonna come to you later. They're dime a dozen. <laughs> they just. You know, everybody want to be. Remember that, Renee. Women are a dime a dozen. Okay, well, well, yeah. it's out for the troubled nation. It's uh, uh yeah. you heard it from Roger Lewis himself. Well, Roger, well, you know, um, go ahead. If you're in that world, you know. Right, right, that, right. Well, um, Roger, we always uh, take a little break in the middle of the podcast to refill our drinks, and this uh, Manny d- seems like a good time, don't you think? Yeah, Roger, give us a couple minutes, and and the troubled nation knows what to do. So, uh. uh uh, toast to Roger and get another libation for Roger. We'll be right back. Back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. I am Renee Coleman. Back with our guest, Mr. Roger Lewis. Now, Roger, we have a, a great product that we've been affiliated with uh, for a few months now. And uh, Manny, why don't you tell Roger all about the Velo Bar? Oh yeah, yeah, Roger. Um, yeah. The Velo Bar is a uh, it's a protein bar. Yes, plant okay. plant based protein bar yeah 25 milligrams protein. yeah what do you say I, I can't remember what oh yeah it? well it's a, it has tw- 25 milligrams of cbd that's the that's the kicker on this one so it's uh oh cbd is good i got some of that stuff. yeah oh yeah yeah so this is this All is a right. this is All a bar right. it's yeah. it's uh it's it's made with superfood ingredients it has like uh hemp hearts uh chia seeds and uh some other stuff like oh, that yeah. It's yeah, uh, THC, it, 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 you say? Well, it doesn't have THC. It has CBD, but it it it, it picks you up and helps you relax. And, oh, uh, yeah, I know. I, I know right, I, right, 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 right. I, I got some of the lotion. Right, right, right. Well, well, God knows, uh, you know, what's going on today. Everybody needs to relax. Everybody needs to calm down. Everybody's freaking the fuck out for good reason. Right. Take a and, break. Right. Yeah, and Roger, the Velo Bar will relax you. And it'll calm you down. And right now, Roger, if you order 
you can get 15% off your order of these two beautiful flavored bars, peanut butter and dark chocolate. If yeah. you use if you use troubled, troubled men uh, promo code, uh, which is troubled. What is it? Troubled one five. Troubled men one five. Yeah, one five. You get 15% off your order and free shipping. And mm. since you've been a guest on this show, on the show, Roger, uh, we're going to give you some free bars. Yes. Oh, man. Just, yeah, we'll give you some free bars. At the end of the show, we'll get your digits, and, uh, and our, the company will send you some free bars. Nice. Oh, great. Nice. Right and uh, and so, yeah, so the, the, uh, you go to uh, VeloBarCBD.com. And uh, put in that that uh, promo code troubledmen one five, and you get the fifteen percent off and free shipping. And uh, yes, yes, um, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing, yes. And as always, uh, troubled nation, you know, if you want to support the podcast directly, you can jump on that PayPal link and uh, you know buy us a cocktail or uh, you know uh, uh, help us defray our operating costs and. Manny, uh, uh, good news. We, we got a uh, contribution, uh, some operating costs from our old buddy and, and former uh, uh, guest, Carlo Nucio. So thank you, Carlo, for, uh, for you know, the, the Troubled Nation salute you for your support. I have no idea what that means. What does that mean to me? Well, it means uh, you know, uh, you know, he's, he's paying me the money he owes me. Is uh, that well, what it means? No, no, that's that's a different pile of money, man. You know, it's not uh, okay. carried away. Yeah, yeah. I, have, I, I have no idea what that means. Then. Right, right. Well, he's but he's. I uh, love Carlo. Thank you, Carlo. Thank you, Carlo. For yes. whatever that means, right. I don't care. Right, right. Okay, very good. <laughs> um, I, I, there's no money in my pocket from that. Basically, is what you're saying, right? Well, he's uh, he's he's uh, supporting the operating cost of the podcast. You know, our, our okay. Yes. Thank you, Carlo. Yes, yes, thank yes, you, Carlo. Thank you. Whatever. Right. <laughs> so back t- back to Roger, uh, Roger Lewis, uh, the great Roger Lewis. Now you were you were talking, you were starting to say something about uh, you know all the the great musicians, Dave Bartholomew, and go ahead with with yeah, that thought. Yeah, man. All the, we don't we lost a lot of great musicians. I mean, you know. That's Domino Allen Tucson, uh, Dave Bartholomew. I think Dave was almost 100 years old. Yes. Bass was probably in his 80s. I think around 87 or something like that. I think I think that's how he was. Yeah. Frankie Ford. We lost Frankie Ford. We lost Al Hurt. Keith Fountain. I mean, the list go on and on and on. And, you know, all the great ones. There ain't too many that I know that's left. I think we got Frogman Henry. Wow, no kidding. You know, yeah, yeah. Still got we got the frog man. Right. We got we got uh we got Irma Thomas, of course. Man, she sounds better than ever, don't you think, man? Oh yeah, like fine wine only get better with time. Holy cow, man. I used to play an Irma band for some several years. Yeah. Yeah, I played with Irma a good little while. Matter of fact, when she left and went to California, she lived I think living in San Francisco and I was living in Santa Clara. California, and uh, and I heard on the radio that she was playing down the highway from where I was staying. Now, you know, I jump in the car, go on, I said, I'm going out there, holler, holler at Irma, you know. Mm-hmm. And I walk in the place, she was surprised to see me, you know. Roger, what, you got your horn with you? I said, yeah, it's in a couple, I go get your horn. I went, got the horn, played, came in, played in the band. She said, what you doing? So, you know, I'm just hanging out up here. You know, that's basically what I was doing. I was doing a one-man band act at that time. 
in a, at a club, you know. So she said, what you doing? You, re you ready to come back home? You want to come back home and play, you know, play with me? And I said, yeah, I, you know, so I came back home with Irma from California and uh, played with her. Went to a whole bunch of bands as a personal saxophone player at that time. Wow, no kidding. You know. Nice. And, uh, you know, and that lasted for a little while. Then I, then I went to, uh, I started taking classes, music classes at Southern University because I had nothing but time on my hand because that's, that's that took a break. That's mm -hmm. a long story. I'm trying to shorten it up. Yeah. But it, anyway, when I came back from California, I played with her and then then I I was hanging out one night and I met a cat guy by the name of Daryl Adams. He's died recently. Uh, he used to play I used to play alto saxophone, and he said, "What you doing tomorrow, man?" And tomorrow meaning it was it was Saturday. I said, "Well, I ain't, you know, I ain't really doing nothing." So you want to come play? A, you want to come play a second line? I said, "Yeah, why not?" You know, so I came play the second line. You know, one thing led to another. And a guy by the name of Andrew Green introduced me to Benny Jones, uh -huh. who was who started the Dirty Dozen Brass Band. Uh -huh. The original Six War Dirty Dozen Brass Band, that's what it was called at the time. And when I joined that, when I joined Benny, I was playing tenor. And then um, they had a trombone player playing in the band by the name of Charles Joseph. And, you know, I would go set in with the band and whatnot. There was two little gigs on the second line gigs and whatnot. But Charles and Charles was at Southern University taking music classes. A lot of cats was taking music classes back then, doing that back in the 70s, you know. Right. Who was, who was teaching there at Southern at that time? Kid Jordan. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Well, I had been playing with Kid all through, you know, I... I, that was my first time meeting Kid because I used to play gigs with Kid but I was playing with Deacon John and all, everybody else Kid would be on the gig matter of fact Kid was the first dude I heard he was a baritone player when I met him he was playing baritone uh -huh. he was my you know first baritone player I ever heard in New Orleans you know okay live right you know the, the first tenor player I ever heard playing jazz was Red Tower wow nice you know yeah, you know, then later on, the great James Rivers, you know. Yep. We and, still uh, got James. James is still around. Oh, yeah, yes. James, ain't too many left. No, no, you're right. So go ahead he with the story of of, uh, of of Dirty Dozen. I'm sorry, I got you sidetracked. So here. anyway, so anyway, uh, so I said, Charles, man, you know, we always plan together, you know. And I said, what we ought to do, man, try to organize, you know, what we're doing, you know. So Charles knew, uh, he knew Gregory Davis, he knew uh, uh, Kevin Harris. Mm. So he got those guys, and you know, he called them up and got them involved, and we started rehearsing. I said, well, who are you going to get to play uh, sousaphone? Craig was just coming out of high school, his brother, Craig Joseph. Uh -huh. And, you know, his Charles, 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 Craig's dad is a very famous trombonist, Walter and Joseph. Okay. That played with it. Everybody, every every R and B uh, star group. That yeah, yeah. Star, yeah, that, yeah. That ever came out of out of New Orleans and needed to. He was trouble, always as a trombone player. Not only that, he he was just world famous. Yeah, world famous trombonist. Yeah, mm -hmm. frog, called frog. Man, that dude. 
all the trombone players patent these uh, New Orleans patent these style like after this guy, man. This guy was great, trombonist. Yes, well, yeah, I've heard we uh, we had uh, Klein on not too long. He was talking about Frog That's Joseph. Right. He was talking That's about right. it on the podcast. Yes, okay, so now all, all, all the dots are getting connected here, Roger. Frog was the man, man. Okay. You know, that trombone, bro. So all right. He started, he started practicing by, you know, by, 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 by his house, you know, and, uh, and we started playing new. Everybody had a, like in the Dirty Dozen, whatever. You wanted to whatever kind of music that your musical taste was. You had a you know you could bring it to the table, and you know nobody reject nothing that you you wanted to play. If you had an original tune or whatever, let's bring it to the table. Let's make it work, and that's how we did it. And what made the band so different from most of the brass bands, because we got a lot of slack because of what the things we were doing, you know, musically. Uh, we also played traditional New Orleans music, but we start playing the music of Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie, Jimmy Forrest, Michael Jackson, and everything else. Uh, Thelonious Monk, uh-huh. and and Avant Garde, right. and a, a lot of original music, and we slightly picked up the beat a little bit because New Orleans music is kind of laid back a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we picked up the beat. And I used to always say, if you come into a second line where the Dirty Dozen is playing, you better bring your tennis shoes and your jogging suit. If you got a weight, and if you got a weight problem, guaranteed to lose about 10 pounds. Okay. Or more. That's right. Because you picked that beat up, I couldn't believe how fast people was dancing. They started bug jumping. I call it bug jumping. Right. It wasn't it wasn't dancing like that before Dirty Dozen, because we came up, we picked that beat up. In the Dirty Dozen, when y'all came on the scene, it was it was almost like the Big Bang of the modern brass band uh, history. Well, you know, it, where I know I, I read articles where people are saying, "Oh, brass bands were dying when y'all showed up," and you said, "No, that's not true. Brass bands were not dying." Well, there uh, was you know, we they always had brass bands in right. the city. Brass bands was dying. The only thing is, when we came along, yes, you opened the door to a whole new a, way of approaching yeah, the that, it was a that thing. It was a different awakening, right? Awakening, you yes. know, from what it was, right? But we always had brass bands, right? But you guys, you guys, it was almost like when when you showed up and you started, you know, introducing bebop and and more popular. Uh, repertoire into it into the brass band thing people it, like a light went off in a lot of people's heads where they went oh wow look then, then plus it was a different sound because let me tell you because you know like in brass bands they would have a clarinet huh? right alto saxophone or you know trumpet trombone and stuff like that never baritone saxophone okay you know, because it's too so, heavy to walk with. Is that is that the reason? Well, well no, I don't know. Okay, the reason was, yeah. but when I came along, you know, we just Kevin Harris came in the band because Kevin was a tenor player, and I was playing tenor too. I said, well, we don't need no two tenor saxophone players. I said, I'm gonna play baritone. You know, and uh, that gave the band a, a different sound from most brass bands because they didn't have no baritone player. Right, and you have yeah. and you have such a such a propulsive, um, you know, crisp sound on the horn, where you generate so much so much energy down in that that range, man. It's uh, 
it's you know it's a thing that you you alone you know maybe i guess a lot of people have copied that but uh that's a roger lewis thing man well, they got a lot of baritone players now they didn't have that many before right <laughs> right everybody renee 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 yeah yeah <laughs> we got enough but uh you know i mean this is you know this is what you know i wasn't trying to you know change nothing for i just figured that we didn't need two tenor players sure and uh the sound was different and the baritone was like a baritone in the, in the dirty dozen is a free agent mm-hmm. sometimes a baritone play but you would expect the trumpet player to play okay. uh, you know because like in most bands baritone players don't get a chance to to play no lead they're mostly in the background playing some background stuff right. you might get a solo you know, I say, well, no baritone player going to get solo. Going to make sure the baritone player gets some solos in this band. He ain't going to be just in the background. So then the baritone player don't stop playing because the baritone player accompanied the uh, the tuba. Like Kirk and I, we, we work hand in hand. Right, yes. And, and, and Kirk, I, I always felt like Kirk must have been very influenced by your style of playing because he plays well, in the... Well, okay. Kirk, Kirk and I used to practice... Craig and I practiced probably more than anybody in the dirty dozen. I'd be by Craig's house. I used to sleep by Craig's house sometimes. Yeah. You know, we was like brothers, you know. Okay. We still like brothers, though. Even now, you know, we get along like family. We have our little argument. We grab each other and do what we do. You know, I love that dude, you know. Right. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, you know, and so I was always practicing and playing together. We develop a certain kind of thing, right? Rapport, you yeah, know? yeah. You know what I mean. So, and all of that. Then our repertoire music, the music that we would play. And everybody was playing night train and night train. Them kind of songs we played in nightclub. We played, we brought that to the street caravan. Nobody was playing caravan in the street. Uh huh. And and those second line, we brought man, people was dancing off of that and blue mo. Yep. Somebody playing old Blue Monk, slow right. dragging going down the street. That yeah. kind of music was not being played. And your bongo beat. That's a Charlie Parker tune. Nobody right. wasn't playing that. And then nobody was playing no avant-garde and all that kind of street jazz. It wasn't doing that. And that that was a whole different thing. So people had never heard nothing like that. And they embraced it. They love it. Band been together over 40 some odd years. They'll travel all over the world. You know, all over Indonesia, Australia, uh, uh, Iceland. Uh, man, we don't been so many places. I don't, I don't, you know, right? Egypt. I don't, you know, bringing this music all yeah. over the world. First brass band ever played in Beijing, China, outdoor concert. Nice. I remember we did a we did a concert in Germany. We did seven encores. Yeah, Buddy Rich and Buddy Rich had to go on behind us. Oh wow! I bet he wasn't too thrilled about that. He was a he was a crispy well, guy. I, back then, doing it right ahead is most of those guys didn't want to go on. They wanted us to go on, let them go on first, right? And we come on after. They didn't want to come out. They didn't want to come behind us, right? Well, that makes sense. You yeah. know, program. Yeah, yeah. I could, I can understand that. Sure, man. All that sure. Fire. You guys are setting yourselves on fire at the at the end. You're like, no, no, no. Let me, let me, let me do my thing, and then y'all can take the stage, right? And then all of a sudden, all these brass bands start popping up all over the world. Yep. 
Uh, I was watching a thing on YouTube today. Somebody sent me this this orchestra that was playing Dirty Dozen music. You know, uh, yeah, just playing this tune, Blackbird Special. Uh huh. You know, so I mean, the band has been very well appreciated all over the world. We've been places where they say people don't dance. And I remember we was I forgot what country it was. It might have been in, in Indonesia, one of those countries. Might have been in. Jakarta or, or Taipei, one of those countries. Uh-huh. And I remember the lady saying, uh, well, look, uh, I know y'all probably used to, in, in the States, used to people react in a certain kind of way. You know, if these people do not uh, uh, react from what, the way y'all are accustomed to uh, people act, uh, to acting, uh, don't think they're not enjoying your music. They just, you know, they kind of reserve and they don't, you know, they just don't, you know, they don't just you just absorb. They don't right move. Right. She yeah, right, huh? After about two numbers, the people jumping around like rabbits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. I remember we played Papa New Guinea, man. We played well little New Guinea was a little different though, you know, but uh she man, people jumping around. That music something about, you know, it's the spirit of New Orleans music that gets you know, this music that we play in New Orleans is very spiritual. Right. You know, this is this is a very spiritual music. That's why musicians have been flocking here to find out what it is. You can get any musicians that they don't even have to know each other from New Orleans. They don't even have to know each other. Most musicians come out to church. They got the gospel in their music, you know. Mm-hmm. It's that certain little thing. That we have here, you right? Know. Yes, we have a, a yeah. common vocabulary that uh, that that's. Uh, yeah. Why a, does it come out of the church, though? Is that well, all you have? Is the church? Well, you know, most musicians grew up in playing gospel music. You know, the, the you know the gospel. You know the gospel. This is, you know, like Ray Charles, for instance. When you hear Ray Charles, you hear that you hear that that spiritual thing. In his voice. Right. You know, that's how people was raised, man, you know. And uh, a lot of musicians played. I mean, I used to play in a church. Yeah. So that, so that's in your, that's in your music. That's that, that's that, that feeling, man, you know, that, that, that feeling, that, that spirit. Right. And in, 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 in that spirit in your music. And then, you know, New Orleans always was famous for drummers. Yep. You know, like people like Earl Palmer, who's probably the most famous drummer. Sure. And you had to be at Paul Barbarain. Yep. Baby Die. Right. You had uh there's let's talk about the great Smokey Johnson, Walter Lasty. Yes. John Boudreau. I mean, man, James Black. Right. You know, uh 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 there's this other guy you can't I can't think of his name right now, a quick friend of mine's uh Nolan Coleman. I mean, I man, I can name you some drummers in New Orleans. When matter of fact, when when Smokey Johnson left and went up to the uh, to Motown, they had to hire two drummers to do what Smokey was doing with doing. one with by himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had to hire two drummers to do that. Uh, yeah, like Smokey, just so the story was said, they locked him up in the room and just told him to play just to play beats and whatnot. And he toured with some of those groups up there. So, you know, man, New Orleans, man, 
I done been all over the world. I done heard all kind of music. Man, I ain't heard nobody that played more music than I done heard in New Orleans, right. outside of New Orleans. Right. I mean, you know, no disrespect to no musician, no musician, you know what I'm saying? Sure. But man, and, New and, Orleans is incredible, man. Right. The talent here is the talent. It's got people that you never even heard of. It, it, it's it's amazing, man. Right, the city's something else. Well, you know, I've 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 done a lot of records with people that come from out of town and 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 record here, and you do a session, then you go to somewhere to have a little drink in the neighborhood. Uh, after the session, there'll be some band playing there, and they go, "Wow, who are these guys? They're great." And you go, "Oh, I don't know. They're just guys from the neighborhood." And they're like, "Really? These guys aren't big stars?" I'm like, "No, I don't, never seen these guys before." But just the level of musicianship is so high here. Even somebody oh, playing man. in a corner on bar the, room, people from out yeah, of town are street. like, "Yeah, yeah." Yeah, the cat that played in front of Cafe Dumont, his name was, uh, oh man, what's that dude's name? He played trumpet. I can't. I'm talking so fast, I can't remember. That's all right. Names. It doesn't matter. It, it's going to come to me anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this guy, man, he... Oh, man. Right. They had another guy by the name of Rashid. He sent all his kids to school just for playing on the street. That's how good he was. Yep, yep. Hey, and- Roger. Roger, you should ask Renee about his hatred for trombone players. <laughs> That's not true, Manny. <laughs> you said you, you don't know, like trombone players, That's Renee. That's not you true know, at all. I know, you know, true. I play in a band. I play in a band called Uptown Jazz Orchestra. With Delphio Marcellus. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, he's a trombone player. <laughs> sure, no, no. De- Delphio and I went to school together. Delphio and I are old friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Well, I studied with his dad, and then he and I were in high school together, and, and I've known really? Delphio, yes, since oh, I'm... Oh, so you went to, you went to uh, Ben Franklin? Yes, I did. Um, my, daughter gra- my daughter graduated from Ben Franklin. Right on, man. Franklin always comes around, man. <laughs> yeah, smart, that's some smart people come out of that school, man. You it's, know, it's, 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 why? Explain it, Renee, it's, your hatred. It's a great Explain school. Explain it. No, no. So I, Manny likes to overstate this and tease me, as always, but I, I, I only commented uh, in the early days of this podcast about how... Um, in other places and traditionally the trombone is kind of it's it's not seen as like a big sexy lead instrument but just to show you how new orleans is we have probably four or five bands that are big acts led by trombone players i mean you haven't had that since like the 40s you know outside of new orleans so i yeah, only you told about- me you didn't like it renee Usually trombone players don't be no leader of no band. Right. That's, you know, that's that was that's my point. On you, that's that's unusual. You yes. Know? Yes. And and it's you a know, testament. Used to be a trump. Go ahead. Used to be a trumpet player, or, or even a saxophone player, never a trombone player. Right. Right. All right. That's that was my only comment. That uh, you know, that's that we've entered an era where we have all these these big trombone stars. It's just unlikely. As was my it's comment. Like Boner, you got Bone Ram. Oh yeah, on and on and on. Trombone Shorty, you know, huge star. You Trombone know, uh, Shorty, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, we don't need to go into all of them, but but the, yeah, they're out there. Well, you know, one well, thing. You know, go ahead. By the way, you know, I got a baritone saxophone band. Oh it's yeah, tell bar- us about that. It's called it's called Baritone Bliss. Mm. Matter of fact, you can Google it. I'm not Google it. You can YouTube it. All you got to do is say uh, baritone. Uh, let's see how they how they got it. Baritone Bliss Jazz Foundation, or just Baritone Bliss. Right. It, it used usually come up. We just did a thing a couple of weeks ago at uh, the, Mint. The, 
Yeah, I did. The, I had the five, jazz museum, five, right? Yeah, yeah. Jazz museum. I had five baritones. Wow. And bass saxophone and drums. And you arranged all that? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I bet that uh, sounds cool. We did man. it at the jazz. We did it at the jazz festival. Like, well, I think we did it four times at the jazz festival. Yeah. Baritone bliss. Yeah. That's right my on. baritone band. I gotta hear that, yeah. man. Maybe we'll use yeah, some can, of that on the outro of uh, of this this podcast here. Use some some yeah, uh, you can, you can, five uh, berries you and can bass go, saxophone. Yeah, you can go on uh, YouTube. Oh, YouTube and, and and check it out. Yeah, right on, yeah. right on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I know, man. I know, you guys. You know, but it's it's so interesting that like you've carried this music all over the world, and then even embraced uh, in a huge way by like the jam band community. I know you guys would go out on those those jam band tours, and oh yeah, we would, did. A, we, you know, you've done a lot of playing with Widespread Panic and bands did, like that. I think we did three records with Widespread Panic. Another Joyful Occasion and a couple of two other ones. I don't remember the exact title. Right. Then the Black Crows. Yes. Then the Squirrel Nut Zippers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had uh, we had Jumbo Mathis uh, as a guest on this show, not uh, you know last year. And then you played on a on a a, a bunch of Elvis Costello records. Elvis Costello, Elvis Costello, Who else? Who else? We did. We did somebody else. The Neville Brothers. Right. Yeah. Uh, they, we did the Yellow Moon. I think it was the Yellow Moon. Uh, and, I think and, it was Yellow Moon. And Brothers Keeper Doc, too. Right. Yeah. We played on that uh, one too. Doc, Dr. Jones, Dave Matthews, his violin, his violinist. Uh, we did his first CD. Yeah. Oh man, let the list go on and on. There's another group we got a platinum record from. I can't think of their names right now. A uh, platinum and a gold record we, we did with those guys. Uh, and and you you worked with you worked with Nora Jones, who Manny has a, a thing for. A oh bit. yeah, no, yeah. Before she was famous. Okay. I remember the conversation I had with her because she did "Rule of My Heart." Yes. So she was singing "Rule of My Heart," you know, and she was she sounded good singing it. So I I told her, I said, you know what? I said, think about it, "Rule of My Heart," "Robber of My Soul." Where can he be? I said, think about that. Think about what you're saying. Well, she came back and she sung that song. Oh my God, she put everything in that song. It was such a great. I mean, she, you know, and she, I heard she told a story. She said, that was this guy that told me, you know, she told him that story, you know. Right. But then a, a couple of weeks after that, she came out with, you know, that song that made her famous. Right. Right, at, right after that, you know. So, yeah, she, you, was, you, she was beautiful to work with, you know. Nice, nice. Man, well, you've had such a tremendous career so far and still going strong, man. I know you, you guys would have been out this whole summer playing playing dates and dates and dates, and I'm sure you would have a, you know, you, you'd well, be out there right now. Date. We did a date in Dallas. We did a, uh, uh, a contip- uh, not a contemporary, yeah, con- uh, not contemporary audience, uh, PAC, Solos. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the Performing uh, Arts Center. Yeah, there you go, performing right. arts center, and we got we going we, we got three days in Florida uh, starting next week. Oh, okay. So you guys are forging ahead, right on. You can't can't keep Roger Lewis down, man. Well, you know we're making a couple of little hits, man. But right. it ain't like it's you know it ain't like it used to be because sure. you know, we you know we were supposed to be on the road last year with uh, 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 the Doobie Brothers. Okay. We had a, they were celebrating their 50th anniversary, you know. 
Right. And we had about 70 gigs with those guys. The Doobie like, Brothers are celebrating 50 years? Yeah. They were celebrating 50 years. How many man. brothers are still alive? Well, I don't think, I don't think there were any real brothers in yeah, the band. I don't, I don't think, think there's any really Doobie Brothers still alive. Well, but I don't know. They're, they're milking call, it, man. They, they call it the Doobie Brothers. I don't know too much about no, they they still got some original guys. I'm saying they weren't brothers. They weren't real brothers to begin with. So uh, you know, yeah, it's, oh, uh, yeah, that's a hell of a gig. That's a hell of a gig. Good, oh no, good think, luck with that. Oh no, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna. They're gonna do it. They might do it. Maybe later on in the year. You know, okay. It's still on the table. It's still on the table. Right. Right. But I was looking forward to doing that gig because they was gonna be doing like stadiums. They're gonna be doing a smoothie king arena. It was going to be a real cool gig, you know, a real good one, you know. You don't right. have to be So I was looking forward to playing with those guys. I like playing with, well, I like playing with everybody, you know, so personally. I was sure. trying to play with everybody on the planet. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I'm sure everybody wishes they could play with you too, Roger. Man, you're su- such a such a prince and such a great musician, and uh, you know, it's an iconic saxophone player. Well, Roger, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. We're we're uh, we're we're reaching the end here. Do you have any final thoughts for the troubled nation? Uh, 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 well, I just wish everybody do the right thing, stay safe. You know, because this coronavirus ain't no joke. You know, right. a lot of people taking this. A lot of folks taking it for granted. There's nothing to play with. You gotta be. You gotta. You gotta be careful. You gotta protect yourself. You know. Yes, yeah. that's Maybe true. So. Thank you, Roger. I enjoyed it. Right on, man. Well, you know, Roger, we all on the Trouble Men podcast. We always like to say, uh, trouble never ends. But the struggle continues. Good night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good night.
Thank you. 